Welcome, everybody, to the Building Aaronsburg podcast. I'm Thomas Aaronsburg. And I'm Catherine Aaronsburg. And I'm freezing in this podcast loft. I know we've mentioned it, that we We are sitting... We have mentioned how cold it is in here. (laughs) It's only cold now. When it gets to be the summertime, it'll be burning hot up here. And I'm so cold-natured anyway. I feel like when everybody else is perfectly fine, I'm freezing. And how are you in the summer? So you're cool in the summer then? No, doesn't work that way. You know how I am. I have to, in the summertime when we sleep, I have to have the ceiling fan from above and a tower fan from the side. I need air movement. So, but I would rather be snuggled under the covers than to be like sweating with all a, the fans. My leg on up. You. Yeah, I have to have multiple directions of airflow <laughs> coming at me. <laughs> I don't know. Even in the winter time, we usually have some motion. We have it. I mean, I don't need it. I use I do need the fan though for white noise because if the fan is not on, it is so quiet in our house. Like maybe I just always grew up with having a lot of noise. Yeah, in, you grew up in Midtown where it was like the train and the roads, just people on the roads. Yeah, yeah. maybe. And it, it's so quiet in our house at night that even like the squeaking of. A fan or sometimes a dog will get up and walk around and it wakes me up like and I can hear it because yeah it cracked me up the other night I said I think I put on the overhead fan because we we the tower fan is our white noise fan yeah and the overhead fan is really for the the actual you know especially in the winter time any kind of airflow and um you were like if you turn on that fan I'm gonna have to put on a shirt <laughs> and that cracked me up <laughs> In the dead of winter, you sleep with no shirt on. Well, and that was going to be like the tipping point between you wearing a shirt and not wearing a shirt to because bed. Because it's too cold. <laughs> like I, can, I do like it cool, but not cold. But I do need the white noise machine. When um, when I went to Miami last year, around this time last year, um, I, I didn't have a fan in my room. So I, I would lay there at night, the very first night that we got there, you didn't laid, turn a, a white noise on your phone or something? That's what I ended up having to oh, do. Oh, okay. I went on um, Spotify and played a white noise thing. That was the only way. And it, on top of that, the guy that was in the room next to me, I don't know if he listens to his podcast, but... <laughs> Let's hope he not, knows, from he whatever you're about to say. He, <laughs> he snores. <laughs> so we were staying in like this mission house and the door, I mean, the walls at, at this house very were thin. very thin. Yeah. And he was in the room next to me. I could hear him snoring through the wall, which was not not like it was some really thick wall. This yeah. is in Miami, too, so I'm sure everything's built to be relatively cool, cool. and not yeah. super well insulated and all that kind of thing. Yeah. I remember when we went on our little anniversary trip up to Laurel, Mississippi, and um, the walls were very thin in our Airbnb. Yeah. And I mm-hmm. remember we could hear the person's TV. On, I guess it must have been on the wall that our bed was on. Yeah. And we could hear the TV, and you're like, oh, I'm going to have to put on some white noise. And I guess you probably wanted the white noise anyway. But I think you used your Miami experience to be able to quickly find something that would work for us to listen to all night on your phone, basically. Yeah. I think a lot of people travel with a white noise machine. Well, some people use the TV as their white noise. I can't do that. I cannot do that. Yeah, There's it's, some. It's different because... With white noise, it's like a repetitive noise. Even if it's like you have the thunderstorm white noise or whatever, which I don't like. I need, I need the static. Fan. I need the yeah, like the static sound or something like that. Whereas like the TV. In fact, when we went to Laurel, Mississippi, the night that we were there, they had some huge Christmas concert, mm-hmm. and it's a little town. So, and it was right behind where we were staying. So one of the times that I woke up in the middle of the night, I could hear 
what I thought was singing. I was like, God, they are really going all night on this Christmas concert. <laughs> no, it was the TV. But next it was to the us, TV next to us. Yeah. But yeah, I can't. I can't deal with those the flashing lights of the TV all night. The um, it used to be. I don't think it is anymore with the new LEDs and stuff. But it used to be that there was a very high pitched noise mm-hmm. that came along with the television being on and I could, there's no way I could sleep with that. I would be waking up all night long with that. Um, So anyway, I, I do think that it's, it's interesting how many different things that people find to be soothing to sleep to because everybody is different. There are probably some main categories, but I remember I had listened, it was like this American life episode or something when um, they were talking about this. um, There's some sort of like ship. It's a channel of the people calling the ships in mm-hmm. and out of harbor. Okay. And people listen to that to, to sleep too at night. Interesting. Yeah. Well, I'll it's say It's a pretty this. constant, it's like some sort of constant call and it, it goes on for hours. Is it pretty monotone though? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I will, um, like I remember this as a kid. I say a kid, it's like when I was a teenager. In the afternoons, if I was going to take a nap in the afternoon, I could turn on like a baseball game or a golf match. Mm-hmm. And I could sleep to that because it was most of the noise you heard was just like background. Yeah, birds. Birds chirping and people like kind of just regular crowd noise. Mm -hmm. But then even like at a, if it's a golf thing, the guy that's talking. Yeah. (laughs) talking like this. Look, it's not just you because I know that um, when I went to my uncle's house, my uncle's a big golfer, always has been. And um, he lives in Houston. And anytime we would go over to his house, he'd be quote unquote watching golf. Uh, he was sleeping while yeah. golf was on. Like, even oh, yeah. the most avid golfers right. that love it'll golf, put you to sleep. it'll still put you to sleep. But it, I think it's a lot like, um, you know, any other sport where it's it's a lot more exciting when you're watching it live in, like, oh, in person sure. than sure. when you're um, watching it. At home, although... I can't watch golf. Even live, I can't really watch golf. I, I'll play it. You always say the same thing about baseball, and too. And baseball's the same thing. Yeah. Although, we went to um, the Braves game one time, and that was fun. Yeah, but that was like the whole stadium experience. Yeah. we Yeah, we were not really watching the game. We were right. watching the kiss cam and the, you know... All the trivia stuff they do. Yeah. They, they do a lot of stuff to entertain fans yeah. at games. Yeah. Have you ever heard, you've probably heard of the Savannah Bananas, right? Yes. Which is kind of like the Harlem Globetrotters of baseball. Mm-hmm. And they're truly, their whole game is not about baseball. It's about entertainment. Entertainment, Right. But what's amazing to me is that they have a whole schedule um, planned. Mm-hmm. And that's that's what I've never understood with Harlem. I've never seen Harlem Globetrotters, so, so I don't know a lot about them. But are there that many other like funsies teams around to create a whole I don't schedule think that for all them? the other teams are funsies teams. So I think the Savannah bananas are like a double a or a triple a team. Just like we used to have the mobile Bay bears. Yeah. I think they were a team like that. So they're like just they playing were a legitimate and not the, I don't think the whole game is all funsies, but I think that they take opportunities. Oh, I thought uh, it was the whole do, game. No, I don't think it's the whole game. I've never seen one of their games, but it's my understanding, like, between the innings, they're always doing stuff. Yeah. How can you imagine? Throwing out the first pitch. Do they, they probably draft do people? Stuff. Yeah. I think so. So, do you have to be, what if you What if you get drafted and you don't want to dance? What happens? I, I guess they just don't put you in that role. I'm guessing. Oh. I really don't know. But you have to be a real good player, like, a real good sport, as they say. Yeah. Like, to be on this fully team where you're not, you know you're not really there to play baseball. Right, I mean they're there to play, but sure. there's a lot of foolishness. I, again, I don't, I don't 
really know. I do know that they are they are like a actual baseball team. Baseball team. Whereas like and I know the Harlem Globetrotters were also a real basketball team, but they weren't like um they weren't in the NBA, you know, where they're trying to make the playoffs and all this kind of thing. Yeah, are they a well, they're just like an exhibition team. Is there a triple A playoff World Series situation for baseball? There are I think you can win your division in that kind of thing. I don't know. Short answer, I don't know. I would imagine You're my sports guru. Yes. You're supposed I would to know the answers yes, to all these questions. Know, for sure. It's a developmental league. I mean it's that's why they exist. But they know and we've in Mobile we've had two different teams come and go. Yeah. Because it's hard to sustain a minor league baseball team. Mm-hmm. It's hard to keep people interested in, in coming to watch something like that. So they've, and the guy that owns the team knows that. Who? And so, oh, the Savannah Bananas. Yeah. Yeah. I think we heard him speak. You and I both did. We went to a leadership conference that was mm-hmm. down at the Sanger Theater years ago, probably five for the years Bowl. ago. Yeah. Oh, it was yes. Part of the Senior Bowls. That's right. The Senior Bowl Leadership Conference. Yeah. And we saw him and heard his whole story, which was yeah. really interesting. Um, are they doing Senior Bowl this year? Yeah, we, they've been doing it. The only year that they didn't do it was that one year of COVID. What? Um, okay, so if you don't know, Senior Bowl is held here in Mobile. I don't mm-hmm. know how we were able to get the bid for that and so have it are, here. There are two um, two major all-star games there for senior in college, seniors in college. Mm-hmm. And it's like their opportunity to kind of showcase their abilities in an all-star game, their senior year of college. Mm-hmm. So if you were a good, maybe you weren't a superstar player, but you were a pretty good player, and you played for, you know, like we have a kid that went to McGill. Uh, he plays for the Maryland. And, like, no one, who watches Maryland football? Yeah, I was going to say, how many kids have you ever had from McGill that went to Maryland? Right. Well, he went to a JUCO school first, and then that's a whole other story. Anyway. So he's going to play in Senior Bowl this year. We have another oh, one that's, that plays at Troy. Mm-hmm. And again, both of those are like schools. Like, who watches those schools? Well, both of these guys have had fantastic careers right. at their schools. So they get invited down to they, Senior so Bowl. So they get invited to Senior Bowl to showcase, like, hey, I know I didn't get, I wouldn't play for Alabama where everybody's watching me every weekend. Yeah. It's a way for recruiters, I guess, to come yeah. and see them in a place so if you're where... NFL, if you're an NFL organization... You get, you know, I don't know how many people they bring. I would imagine it's probably like 50-something on each team, so more than 100. It's still so. such a small number. In yeah. the grand scheme of college football players, 100 is mm-hmm. so small. So you have to be asked to Yes, do it's it. invite only. But you have to think, too, I mean, if you were the best guy, if you won the Heisman Trophy you're this not year, you're not ball? going to senior Oh, bowl. is that right? Okay. Yeah, you, I mean, you already know. A lot of these guys, the NFL is... I mean, like, if you look at, like, businesses, they are probably one of the, um, and and people will disagree because they don't like the NFL commissioner or whatever. They are one of the best-run organizations, like, in the United States. What defines a best-run organization? Uh, They make hundreds of millions of dollars. Oh, profitability. Well, just all of it, from top to bottom. They're cutthroat? Yes. I mean, they, they are, they're an extremely well-run from top to bottom, an extremely well-run organization. Interesting. And so... You know, that's, that's an interesting thing. So I know you... Sorry, I'm going to switch subjects, but kind of um, segue a little bit from what you just said. Um, it's really interesting to me what you just said about it is a very well-run 
company, but people don't like the commissioner or whatever. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I know nothing of this. And so I don't know the reasons probably historically why people don't like the commissioner. But I think it's always very interesting um, that as humans, we can not that we have a very hard time separating um people that we like from the job that they do sure or and how they do the job and how they do the job and what you think about the job that they're doing do you know what i'm saying Yeah. Mm -hmm. like it's such a i don't know i just know that we you and i went to um an event at your work last week and it was such a welcoming group of people um like we've known them for years and years right but it comes down also to that bell curve that we talk about where you know some of these people super, super well. And I'm sure some of them, even among them, among themselves, like you work with each other for 20 years. And, like they do stuff that annoys you or you've done right. stuff that annoys yeah. them or whatever. Right. And like how do you ultimately separate? And when you're talking about NFL commissioners, you don't know. You don't know that guy. Yeah. Like you right. only see what the media the tells you. The made and the, you yeah. know, what the media tells us about some ruling that they've come yeah. down with. And I think about that, like with with anybody, family members or whatever. Like, how do you how do you continue to, um, you know, purchase things from a company when you're like, I hate the you know the commissioner of the NFL, but dang it, I love to watch those. Right. Those yeah, things. but I'm going to watch the game this weekend. Yeah. How do we decide what the what how like what's the threshold of what you'll bear where you just decide like I'm out. Either if it's on a person or if it's on a place or if it's on a, a company, like right. how do you decide where your line is? And it just feels like it's so it's I mean, I know we've we've made like a change with our kids school lately. Mm-hmm. We just we there was a line, right? Yeah. We got to that line and we're like, okay, that now we're out kind of a thing. And so we moved. Um but it's nothing personal. So it's like, can we still have nice relationships after you've made changes? Or I don't know. It's just, it's... Yeah, because the the action that you're choosing to make, like, we're going to take a stand on this, but it's not personal. Like... Yeah. I'm sure some people probably do think it's personal, though. Yeah. Like, because they feel personally attacked by the decision that you made. And again, it gets back to what you started off saying, is you, you know these people... To a certain degree, like for me at this event, I work with a lot of the people that were there. I've done several things that they're probably like, that dude is such an idiot. Mm -hmm. And I maybe have the same feelings about them or whatever, but we can still put on a a face and, hey, we're having a good time here. Yeah. You know, all at the same event. I just have such a hard time with that. And I'm really bad at it. And I think I'm trying to. I think. I mean, for me, I can tell you for me, I, it's, I separate it because it's the same thing in my, in my coaching career. Like there are coaches that I've worked with that on a personal level, they're fine. Like I had every time we were in meetings, like we were fine. We got along, we made jokes. You're so good at that. You are on a professional level. I think that that person's not good at their job. Yeah. You're really good at it because I can tell you in the 20 years or whatever you've been coaching, I don't know if you've ever burned a bridge. Catherine Ahrensburg probably would have br- burned every bridge. Yeah. Or maybe I wouldn't have. I don't know. I've owned my own business for for almost as long as you've been coaching. And so I don't think I burned any professional bridges. There's some people you don't work with anymore. I know that much. That's true. But I've chosen that. And I haven't like called. I didn't burn the bridge though. It wasn't like I called him and was like. Never again. Yeah. <laughs> don't ever talk to me again. Yeah. But I'm just. 
yeah, you're right. I have, but I didn't burn the bridge. It's not like they would never. I mean, some of these people, I can tell you, um, like for a fact, I have never sent more work their way for a certain reason or another, and but they have sent me clients. Right. So it doesn't go both ways. Like sure. You know, the the feeling is not mutual necessarily. And so I must have not done, you know, cutting the work off or, you know, doing whatever was not enough for them to have ill will toward me. Right. And I certainly didn't burn that bridge in like some sort of fantastic way where I just told them off like I probably wanted to and have done a million times in my head. Sure. And so. But again, I think they have to separate their personal feelings about you from their professional feelings like. You know, maybe they don't like you on a personal level because you were mean to them or you told them off on a job site or something. But on a professional level, you're good at what you do. And maybe they're good at what they do. You may have, you had a disagreement or whatever with that contractor or client or whatever. But yeah. those are personal things that you have to put those aside because professionally, you're good at your job. They're good at their job. We need to work together to get this done. Yeah. And I think maybe that's where I have such a hard time is like I can do that professionally and I know you can do it professionally. But where I struggle is um, like maybe I don't I don't think of those people professionally that you work with and you don't think of the people professionally that I work with. because I haven't worked with those people. And so all I know of you, you know, telling me stories or of me telling you stories is the dumb stuff they did. Right. And then when I meet these people in person, I'm like, how do you pretend? Like, I mean, I know I, right. I can make my own judgments about things. There's not that. Because sure. there's plenty of people where right. I'm like, that they're a really nice person. Like, you should give them another chance. Like, I know they did something bad or, you right. know, that you think that was dumb. But I think that there is something there. You know, I think that we don't always agree on those things. But after a while, anyway, but then you'll get back together with them and everybody's having such a good time and such a, like... Right. Yeah, nice experience, at, at and it's some, like, oh, these people like are nice, you yeah. know. Like, because on a personal level, like you get along, they're great people. Because they are great people. At the end right. of the day, they are great people, and, and we they all want, do stupid stuff. And they want what's best in this case for the school, or in your case for the, the job, job or whatever. Yeah, you just personally disagree, or professionally, you disagreed on the way it, whatever was handled. Yeah, and so. We have this pet professional disagreement that when I come home and bring that situation to you, it sounds much more personal than professional. But yeah. in my, like in my mind, it's very much been car- Car- compartmentalized, compartmentalized yeah. into professional versus personal. And so like on a personal level, we can still make jokes. We can still have a good time with each other. Yeah. But on a professional level... You know, I've lost my faith in you to do this, or you've lost your faith in me to get this job done, or I do trust you to do this and not do this, and or yeah, whatever it is. You have the much a, more complete picture with the person that you have a relationship. Yes, All I have is the stuff is that you come home I and complain home about, that's and right, it's like right, it's so right. hard for me to be like, oh. And then I, then I get together with these people, and I'm like, oh, they are nice. Yeah. They're not the person that you came right. home and told me. That they you make this are. person sound like they're the most <laughs> bumbling idiot in the entire. You but know, I have place, to say, but. overall, I always struggle with ignorance being bliss because it is. Ignorance is bliss, but doggone it, I want to know. You know what I mean? Sure. I want to know these things, some of these things. Some of these things I don't want to know. So I don't know how we got to that from the NFL. We were talking about the commissioner and how nobody likes him. It's like. Yeah, so I think it's because he makes these decisions that, like, professionally, they are what's best for the league. But because he knows, team. but he knows a thousand other things that you don't know between. I mean, who knows all the things, but I think, 
I think the more the more you and I age and get older, the more you know that decisions are being made from the perspective of lots and lots and lots of information that you're not privy to. Sure. That other people are privy to. Um, Now, sometimes people make decisions based on um, information they're privy to and that that they are acting emotionally. Like there's plenty of decisions that are made emotionally. Right. um, But plenty of decisions that are made very logically that are based on information that we don't know. Well, here's what um, a lot of people that are in like uh that do a lot of like leadership training mm-hmm. and my my boy at black swan mm-hmm. chris voss chris Voss. um they would actually say that all decisions are emotional decisions you don't people don't make logical decisions interesting but that is what they would say and there's a very very good argument for that although there's someone at home right now is like nope i always make logical decisions and it's that's You'd have to give me an example, I guess, mm-hmm. of a decision that you thought was completely logical and you had no emotional attachment to the decision. Mm-hmm. That makes me feel better because people will accuse others of making emotional decisions as right. if it's something bad something or bad. out of or out of the ordinary. Right. You know, that that to do it right, you would leave all emotion at the door. Mm-hmm. And if there is no such thing as a logical decision, if there is emotion because Maybe emotion is not the right word. That might not be the right term to use because I would agree that every decision is made as a sum of your life experiences. And so that's, I mean, I guess you could say emotion, but I would just say it's made from experience. Even even the people that say like, I used, I only use logic in making this decision. Well, your logic is based off of experiences that Mm -hmm. you've had. Mm -hmm. And so... Those experiences that you had were either positive or negative in emotion. And so, like, well, I think that is so. It sounds like if you want to break it down, emotion sounds like yes, it is, it is the sum of your experiences, but ones that you can't articulate that are entering into your decision making. So, in other words, you're making a quote unquote emotional decision. And if you were to break it down, you could go, I did that because when I was a kid, this guy came up to me and he bullied me, but it might be something you forgot about completely, Sure, but it, it calculates, it goes in there and it Mm -hmm. kind of calculates when, when someone says something to you and it hits you a certain way, why does it hit you a certain way? Well, because that kid beat me up when I was 10 right? and it went into my, like, like, what do they call it? Like the core memory kind of a thing (laughs) from, uh, what's the name of that movie? Inside Out. Inside Out. If you haven't seen that, it's very good. Um, but it enters this core memory that enters into the calculation of how you do things mm-hmm. moving forward. Right. Um, and so the emotion is a bunch of maybe quote unquote logical decisions, but right. they're based on your right your experience, your calcul like your personal calculation of events of your life, which are there's none to be replicated. It's as unique as your DNA. Right. Yeah. So that's what they would say. I mean, even it in. Even something really simple that you're like, no, this is a completely logical decision. Well, that makes me feel better because any decision that's made that you're like, oh, that is logical. You're like, no, it is a sum of all these things. Yeah, I think uh, when people say that, I think the opposite of that is like making a decision very hastily. Mm, Irrational. Yeah, like I didn't give myself time to think about it. Even though the ultimately the decision will be made with emotion, um to make a decision like right when something happens and you're still maybe real hot from the raw emotion mm-hmm. of it happening and not letting things settle and then making a decision, even though that decision in your more settled mind still is going to be very much based on how you feel about everything. 
Well, I think it's also worth saying that the decisions that you make, since they are based on all the information that you have up until that time, as long as you're, quote unquote, making a logical decision, we're going to call it that, something mm-hmm. that you feel like is well thought out. as Because yes. I, I do think that that is what the... That's probably a better way of saying it. Instead well of saying out. a logical decision, you'd say... A, a well thought out decision, as opposed to an emotional one that isn't as is well thought out, as well maybe thought a little out. more rash. Yes. So I think that that we make lots of decisions based on, uh, you know, all these event, a well thought out decision, and then maybe it still doesn't go the. You still maybe regret the decision that you made, or sure. it goes the wrong way, or whatever. And a lot of times, you regret that decision, but you have to also be aware that that decision was made. With the information you had. Absolutely. That's what I was going to say. At the end of the day, you're going to make a decision and you don't have all the facts. You might think you have all the facts, but... It's impossible. It's almost impossible to have all the facts. You can't even ask... You know when you don't know what to ask? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Because I've been in that situation a million times, including, um, you know, our kids' new school. Um, It's like, I don't even know what questions to ask until things start going bad. And then you start asking questions like, oh, now I know what questions I could have asked. But if you don't even know to know, then you can't ask questions. Well, you probably knew that there were questions to ask, but you didn't know what they were. Maybe. So what I'm, I'm getting at is, you know, everyone has to make decisions based on what information they have in front of them at the time. Even the most well thought out decision Mm-hmm. is based on whatever information they can possibly get, either that they already knew or they can ask questions to find. Um, and then even sometimes when they make that decision, it's not the best one. And so, sure. um, you know, we're all just doing our best. Yeah, so I, I read, I get this daily email from this guy named Brian Kite. And it's it was actually earlier this week he was talking about decision making and how to always make good decisions or something. I forget what it was always. about. That seems like a lot, well, Brian. Well, basically, it was, it was a joke. Oh. Like the, <laughs> the title was a joke. It's like yeah. you can never always make good decisions because there are probably a hundred decisions that you thought this was the right thing and then it completely goes yeah. to trash. Which and I then think... conversely, there are probably a lot of decisions that you made that were like, wow, that was a really bad decision. That was so dumb. And then everything worked out like perfectly. You're like, Ooh, well, and I do know, think that's... what defines the diff or what the difference between people who are able to um, maybe grow in their businesses and things like that quickly is people who are able to make decisions like that relatively quickly without yes. um, belaboring them. Because I think that's how you get there. There's plenty of people who are paralyzed by decision making, right. right? Because they want to make the perfect decision and there is no since there is no such thing that should be a little freeing if you can truly believe that right then i think you can make more decisions um on daily life and move forward quicker yeah and possibly grow because i mean i know i'm that way i always talk about how risk averse i am but let's be honest some of it is decision making that i'm so not avert it is avert aversion i'm i'm keeping myself from making important decisions that could help me grow because I'm afraid of failure. But if yeah. you're able in afraid in what is failure, it's the wrong it's making the wrong decision, right? Sure. It's choosing the wrong thing. And so um if you can I'm talking to myself here, can decide that, you know, seventeen if you what is um Gary V always says, you know, if you if you have a hundred at bats, even if you're even if you're good 50% of the time, that's a great average. So the right. more the more at-bats you give yourself, the more uh, 
you put yourself out there or try um, to make the more decisions you have to kind of just make a decision on and move on, you're probably going to come out ahead. Right. You know, like the more at bats you take, the more likely that you're just going to have more successes. Yeah. So I was trying to reread this email that he sent. And oh, Brian Kite? Yeah. Well, here's how he sum, sums it up. Uh, it said, remind yourself that the, to separate the quality of your decision from the quality of your outcome and evaluate those two things separately. It's like, don't, don't always think that this decision completely controlled the outcome because there's so much more than what you decided Mm -hmm. and that went into your decision making to make that decision that led to this outcome Mm -hmm. and whether it's good or bad. And so, and I think from the outside, people probably look at the people making decisions and go, Oh, he just did that because X, Y, Z, you don't see all of those factors going in that, informs whatever they're trying to decide mm-hmm. so just lay off that nfl commissioner guys i don't or, know nothing or, about that person or your boss or who are other people in your organization that yeah that you work with and they make what you think was kind of a bonehead decision they were probably operating with the best information that they had and trying to make the best decision for what they thought would lead to the best outcome now the best outcomes could be um you know, that their son has is working for a gas company in Ukraine. Um, so right. you make those you decisions yeah. based on what would be best you don't know. for him, therefore you. <laughs> yeah. it, now, intention behind decision-making is a whole other thing. I think that's completely different. Yeah, and so so he writes, the way Brian Kite writes his emails is the, the next day. There's like a follow-up, like, so evaluate your decisions from your outcomes separately. So the next day is how do we evaluate your decision making? Mm-hmm. And what he said there is basically you've come to this fork in the road. You have to make a decision. You have to make the decision that regardless of the outcome, you don't know what the outcome is going to be. You hope it's good, but it could be bad. At the end of the day, you need to make the decision that when you look back, regardless of the outcome, you can look back and say, I'm proud of the decision that I made. At that time that with the information that you had right. at the time. Yeah. And not, I mean, yeah, you maybe the outcome was not what you wanted, but at least you can look back and say, you know what, if I, if I was to do it again, that's the same decision mm-hmm. I would make because that based on what I knew at the time, mm-hmm. I'm proud of what I did in that And that instance. does not, that doesn't always happen. Sure. Yeah. But. Well, because part of that too and this is where but guess what? This gets that's kinda, a that's a learning experience too. You yes. know, there's lots of learning in that I didn't take all the information, or I, you know, I well, made. Well, that's the what I was going to say. Choice. Where that gets a little bit muddy is that you know you want to be proud of a decision that you made, but you may not be proud of it because maybe you didn't put in the work to get all the information. Mm-hmm. Like you should have looked around this other corner, and you didn't look around that corner because yeah, you were lazy or. Maybe someone gave you some information and you're like, I don't trust that guy, so I'm not going to take that information. The decision that you make is something that you thought was the right one. There's, and then, there's also time constraints that come with a lot of decision-making, sure. too, where, you know, how far can you go with research on something before it's like, okay, we got to make a decision here. Right. Like, yeah, you can't sit there and belabor a point mm-hmm. that needs For to be months. made by tomorrow and you're going to take a month on it. Yeah. Can't happen, so... Anyway, that's... I have a feeling the name of this um, podcast episode is going to be Decisions, Decisions. Is that what you would like for it to be? We've used that word. Whatever you want. We've used that word about 1,000 times. Okay. In the last, I don't even know how long we've been recording. I would (laughs) decide on the... 
what will be the best name of this podcast. <laughs> and it will be something that I'm proud of <laughs> when we're done. So proud. So many decisions made just within the title and the keywords and everything else. That's right. Holy mackerel. So I can look back and feel good about what I've done based on the information that I have <laughs> to make a well Can you imagine out. if we were having to, to like, yeah, make, oh gosh, if I had to think about everything I was saying on this podcast before I said it, yeesh. We'd never have a podcast. We would never have a podcast. I honestly, I mean, that is what holds so many people back from moving forward, whether it's with a podcast or with yeah. video content online. Paralysis by analysis. Yeah, it really is. Like, sometimes you just got to move. Yeah. Sometimes. Cause it's not sometimes. It's all the time. All the time. Yeah. You always have to be moving. Yeah. You cannot. And know that it's not going to be perfect and you're going to have to kind of, as I tell my clients, uh, I always tell my clients that um, coming up with a design solution for them is like bowling. Uh, <laughs> you say bowling? Bowling, yeah. Okay. Actually, I use two different analysis. I mean, two different um, definitions or examples for them. I uh, use the bowling anal- um, analogy is what I'm trying to say, not analysis. Yeah. Um, when you have gutters on either side. Mm-hmm. And let's say we've got the gutter covers in, right? You got those things in the gutters there. Yeah, the and little you, bumpers. Yeah, you throw the ball down the the lane, and it bounces back and forth and back and forth, and finally it gets to the end, and it hits the pins and knocks them down, and that's like the score, right? Mm-hmm. So for my clients, we start off with whatever their situation is. Yeah. And we bump. I throw an idea out there. They tell me that's not good, or some of it's good. Right. And we bump our way along until we get down to the end, and we come up with a final solution that works for their budget, their lifestyle, their timing, right. all the things. It right. all has to fit together. Sure. The other example I use for them is, um, which is, uh, I've moved away from a little bit because it sounds a little uh, zhuzh. Is I, <laughs> I always say I'm like the diagnostic medicine for a designer, which is. You know what diagnostic medicine is, yeah, right? Yeah. It's the way that they do medicine now, which is a doctor has everything in his brain mm-hmm. that could be. And right. it's like, okay, it could be a million things. And then you go, well, I have a rash. Well, that knocks out 99% of the things it could be. Right. Do you have a fever? Okay, that knocks down another 90% of those options. Right. Until you get down to maybe exactly one or two right. what it is. And they yeah. either give you a prescription for it or try to start fixing it, whatever. And that's how I look at design too. That I... There's a million ideas up there in my head. Sure. But it depends on how much you can afford, when you want it so done. So what is, what is always your first um, sort of filter? I don't know if that's the right word. When you start talking to your clients to knock out that 90% of ideas. Um, We talk about what they want first. What, they're, what they want and what is working or not working okay. in their space. Generally, people, when they call me, they already know that they needed to use me for some reason. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. A very specific reason. Yeah, generally. It'll it'll be something like, we've lived here for 10 years, we have this patio over here and this over here, and we don't know how to connect them, mm-hmm. right? So that's usually where it starts. Um, but it could be a lot of other things. People have drainage issues. I mean, I get called in for a lot of different things. Right. Everything from drainage issues to paint colors to furniture arrangement to material choices for patios and things like that. Right. So um, sometimes contractors get mad at me <laughs> about it because there's a – so in my world, there is a very large use of um, concrete pavers 
which I'm sure you've seen. Yeah. And I'm just not a fan of them. Um, Any I, of them? N- n- uh, most of them I'm not a fan of. Okay. A concrete paver I'm not a right. fan of. Um, they're very popular. They've been around a long time. Contractors love them because I think the markup is good, and I think that they're easy for them to install. Sure. Um, and so what I don't like about them is my priorities for my clients are for them to have something that not only looks good when they install it, but five years down the road. Sure. Like they're in, you're investing a lot of money right. into these things and they should look good for a long term. Now, I do think that I have more discretion. Is discretion the right word? Uh, I'm more picky about how things look five years down the road. Right. Like there's probably plenty of people who would look at a concrete paver and be like, yeah, it still looks fine. But then I show them what it looked like when it was new. If you can hold them side by side. Right. And they're like, oh. It's like our floors downstairs. Yeah. They looked beautiful when they were brand new. And they still like now to the common person that walks in, they're like, oh, these are nice. And then we pull up the rug that's been sitting there since day one. Yeah. And it's like, no, this is what they used to look like. They used to be white and now they're yellow. Yes. Essentially. They've right. They've aged with UV on right. them. Mm-hmm. UV light. Um, yeah. And so I think I, I see my job as being... Um, I should have more knowledge about how things will will age and um, weather or whatever for the long term Mm -hmm. so that you're not installing something that looks beautiful now, but in five years or three years or one year or whatever it is, you're going to regret or even it just not looking as bad. Like, that's my job. I should be able to tell you and give you the forewarning about what to expect. Yeah. Or at least tell you. I mean there's there's plenty of products that will still look f- great 5 years down the road if you're honest with yourself about the maintenance that it takes, which most people are not willing to do the maintenance sure. that it takes. Sure. And that's part of that's part of my intake process too. When I meet someone for the first time and we do cuz we always start out with a 1-hour consultation, um I can walk into your home or around your home and tell what level of maintenance that you're willing yeah, to that provide. You're willing to do. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And that's a big part. I've been too. doing this a very long time. Yeah. I can not only tell what your style of landscaping would be by your interior style, mm-hmm. but I can also tell what level of maintenance that you're willing to provide. Right. And it's not a judgment. It's not a judgment as far as because Lord knows we have four kids and we're very busy. And oh, so yeah. our level of maintenance is very not low. high. It's very, very low. low level. Um and it's not it's not that I'm making any kind of judgments, but I want for you to be happy with the end result. And there's, there's well, and be happy in the long term too, because anything that you put in when it's brand new, you're gonna like it. Man, there's been there's been two, and I I would almost promise you that the same person designed and installed. I think it was a contractor that designed and installed a very particular landscape style. Mm-hmm. On two houses that I've seen in Mobile, and when it was installed, it looked beautiful. Now, we're just talking landscape, right? Plants. Right. Mm-hmm. There was height. There was color. There was texture. And it looked like... like A million bucks. It looked like a million bucks. But yeah. I was like, that thing is going to look terrible in two years. Because all those plants were packed together too tight, and they're all going to get too tall. It's the wrong type of plants. They're going to get too big, and they're going to... Like, too big wide, but too big right. tall. Like, they're going to mm-hmm. be... It's not going to be long before the homeowner is going to have to maintain these things heavily. In an unnatural way. In an unnatural way in order for them to not be growing over their windows and not be like swallowing each other whole as a huge shrub. I mean like as a hedge at that point. And wouldn't you know it, I go by these two houses pretty often. One of them I go by every day. Mm -hmm. And, And 
the reason I say the thing that's the same contractor that designed and installed them because the plants are identical and the shape of the beds are identical. It's like they were like stamping yeah. the same landscape. And who yeah. knows? The homeowner could have said, hey, I was over here. I, I love what y'all did yeah. over there. I wanted it at my house. Sure. Fine. But to me, my job is to tell them this, this is, this is going to look beautiful when it's installed, but it is not going mm-hmm. to be good in two years. You're going to have to be plucking out every, every other plant so that they won't grow together because it, the way it looked when it was installed is the way that it should look when it's mature. Which and you can't, ha- you can't have it both ways. Uh, in Mobile, Alabama, well, it depends. Like if it's just a shrub, it'll take maybe a year or two. Mm-hmm. Like if it's the shrubs I'm, that are in this landscape, it took about two years for everything to mature you know, completely. Right. If, but if you're talking about trees and, you know, camellias that are, I mean, these things grow for 30 years before okay. they're to their full maturity. So it just depends on the plant material. But to me, that is the knowledge of hiring a designer or someone that knows better and not just letting a contractor come in there and, and do what they want to do. Cause they're going to give you the pavers and they're going to give you plants that are too packed in there. And you're going to be so happy when they leave, and in two years you're going to be cursing them. Yeah, but how many? How many? Um, I mean, again, this is like trying to get the whole picture. But how many clients do you have that hire you? Let's say they called you today because they are having a July Fourth shindig, and they, you know, we're hosting our child's wedding at our house. Not many. And they need it like. Not Bam, many. done, and but looking good, not like installed, but I don't, but I don't take those clients either. Okay. I don't take people who are unrealistic. That's unrealistic. You have... Well, unless you, can't, you do what you're saying and you plant plants that will not look good in two years, but they look great right now. Oh, sure. But if you're having an event in July and you want a whole new landscape, is that what you're talking about? Yeah, I don't know. I'm just making up a scenario. Yeah, that's not really a very likely scenario as far... There's a lot of reasons for that which we could go into, but we won't. Um, but if someone went to call, so we've, we talked about before the Venn diagram of good, cheap, and um, fast. Mm-hmm. You can have two of those things. You can't have all three. Right. So if you want this thing done, of course it's, Jan- it's January. We could do it by July. We could install you a landscape by July. That's not a problem. Um, but if you're being unrealistic about the timing, let's say it was, it's January and you need it by February, you better be sure. willing to throw a lot of money at that. Because sure. you're already talking about good and fast right so if you want me you got good thank you very much and if you want it done by next month that's fast so you're gonna have to throw a lot of money at that problem in order to make it successful for what you're trying to trying to achieve right now there's a balance of those things where i would come in and go look you this is what you can do to make it good enough because installing a whole new landscape by next month for one event is delusional. It's mm-hmm. not a good idea. It's not a good. It's not a um, a good way to spend your money, you know, or to pack plants in there because you're going to regret it. You're going to spend an awful lot of money for one event. How right. about we do this, this, and this that will get you where kind of where you want to be. You'll be freshened up. You'll be fresh, you know, pine straw in. Everything will be neatened up. Everything will be beautiful for the photos, and then we can accomplish the rest of the plan from there if you're sure. generally unhappy with your landscape and you want to change it yeah. for the long run. I try mm-hmm. to be reasonable with people. I try to give them what they want, but then also not... Because I don't I, I don't want people that are unhappy two years from now. Yes, I'm out the door, but I need referrals. Right. So I need for you to continue loving it yeah. You know, a long time from now. Well, not just referrals, but I'm sure you probably get a lot of repeat clients too, but... I do get repeat clients, um, 
you know, landscapes generally are pretty expensive things to do. And so um, people will move and they'll hire me a second time. Yeah. Um, but people don't, I mean, there's not a ton of people moving and doing things a second time. Or they'll do their front yard and then decide they want to do their backyard or, you know, things like that. But sure. I, more often now I'm getting, okay, we're ready to build. We want you to oversee it. That's become the more common thing, which yeah. is nice. It's like we we loved working with you. You were logical. You were like, you, it made sense, all the order of things, but we don't know what we're doing and we need for somebody to just take care of it. And so I'm getting more and more of those phone calls now, which is nice. Yeah. that's It's a good place to be. Means you're doing something right. <sighs> building it right. I hope so. We're it's, building Aaronsburg over here. What can I you're say? You're making decisions now <laughs> that you can be proud of <laughs> that you made. Yeah, I had to turn down a client, and I was very proud of that decision. Did I tell you that? I don't I think, think I told you, you that. I think you did. There's this person that years ago had contacted me. I'll tell this story on here because this person won't ever listen to this. Um, he contacted me years ago. I went over and did a consultation. I think I did a little sketch or whatever. Mm-hmm. And not long after I did it, I think I sent him an invoice because that was how stupid I used to be. I used to send invoices after I completed jobs, which was <laughs> dumb. We've changed our policy since then. Yeah. Um, but I sent the invoice and he wrote me back an email that was like, I'd pay way more than that to see, watch you walk around my yard. It was basically like sexual harassment. Mm. And I was like, "Okay, you're disgusting and I'm never, uh, no, yeah. just like forget my email even existed. So anyway, flash forward, I think that was 2018. So it hasn't been that long ago, five, four or five years ago. He must have forgot. Maybe he forgot. That I don't he know. he had said those things to you? Yeah, I didn't respond. Like I didn't write anything back. So right. maybe he thought it was fine. But anyway, he's bought another house, and of course he Wants called. To watch you walk around the yard. Yeah, that's somewhere. not happening. So um, he sent me, and he called me and left me a voicemail, and I just didn't call him back. And then um, he proceeded to send me an email with pictures of the house, which it's so funny how people will try to entice you to work on their homes, the especially people that have large homes, right. They'll send you pictures and say, tell you, they'll describe you. It's 12,000 square feet. It's on five acres. It's got a lake. Mm-hmm. It's a, like, ooh, I really want to work this on is that a one. landscaper's dream. Yeah, like, this is one you really want to work on. Well, I've worked right. with this person before, and right. I know what he's about. And it's beyond just the email situation. It's it's a lot more than that. Like, I know. Well, sure. I mean, if you're going to say that in an email, you're, <laughs> yeah, you're he's a real, document. <laughs> you're a real special guy. <laughs> so he sends me all this stuff. And I have to tell you, for half a second, I was like, I could tell him that I have some like crazy exorbitant high price. Price. Yeah. That is the install price. Like I don't work on clients that have less than a $300,000 install and see if he bites, which he wouldn't because I know this person. And so I just wrote back and said, I'm not interested in this job. Like, so for a second I thought about it. Like if he'll, if he'll let me do, cause it is a beautiful house and I'm sure they're going to renovate it. It's like, it hasn't been lived in in years and years. Mm -hmm. And so, if he was willing to, because he said I have a project manager, so I wouldn't even be working with him directly. Um, right. But I think he also hired me back then at a time where I was like the bargain basement designer, sure. and I'm not that person anymore. Right. But he probably thinks you still are. He probably thinks I am. Oh, for a house like that, so I have base minimum price, not minimum prices, but like package prices, but they're for right. half acre residential lot sizes that are pretty typical here. Mm-hmm. It's not for five acres, and it's not for 12,000 square foot house. Sure. And so... His price will not be what it shows on the internet. I'm sure he thought that he would get 
the residential price right. for the same consultation price and the same yeah. So, price. yeah. so for a second, I thought of sending him what my because if you guys don't know, here's a little designer business owner tip and secret for you. If you are a possible problematic client and we see you coming, price you out. We will price you out. Yeah. We will price you out and we will give you some ridiculous contract to sign, hoping that you won't sign it. And then if you but do. But also if you do, we're like, you're going to make a killing Exactly. It. <laughs> it's called the pain in the ass charge yeah. is, what it's char- is what it's called. And and now I have to hit the explicit button when I publish this. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> just letting you know. <laughs> sorry. Well, that's what it's called. I'm just giving you the official term for it. Okay. And, um, you know, it, it pays, it saves you an awful lot of money to just be nice to people. And I, there's, but there's, of course, a difference between so someone. You, is that a line item in the invoice? It's not a line item. Okay. No, but I mean, when we're writing contracts and we're telling you how much it costs for our services, it's just. You shouldn't go compared with your neighbor because they are ha- going to probably have a different price. As much as my my prices are packaged, sure. Period. But every once in a blue moon, now I'm not going to work with the guy who sent me a suggestive email. Period. But there are clients who are are you can see the difficulty coming from right. ten miles away. Sure. Difficulty, not not harassment, but difficulty. Right. And so those are the people who and so. You know, if you are that person, you have paid untold n- amounts of money to people who knew knew that you were that way. Yeah. Because you know, this in, this world of designers is not that big. Your name will get around. You know how they have Google five star, you know, Google reviews right. for businesses? Yeah. The same thing for clients. Well, but there's not like a platform for it. It's just word of mouth and we know. Right. Because if we get even an inkling that you could be problematic, we'll just call around. Yeah. We'll we'll call for your resume. You don't even have to provide it. Yeah. <laughs> there's a um there's actually a contractor that uh was working at one of my job sites inside the house while I was working outside the house. And he has a policy that he does not work for anybody he hasn't worked for before. Which is like Oh, how do you grow your business doing that? He isn't. Essentially he's he older like he's ready mm-hmm. to start yeah he's down. probably like okay. late 50s early 60s I get that, and so he'll he goes to one job and they'll they'll he'll renovate like their whole upstairs mm-hmm. and then he'll go over to the other part because everybody needs something especially when it comes to interiors like all the time so my, by yeah, the time he, he probably works has his, a gigantic client base that he's yes he does but i mean it, a it's a great place to be but B, it keeps him busy, and he right. doesn't have to worry about payment, which is another thing that designers worry a lot about. Sure. Is people will call you and complain about, you know, bills. Right. It's like you signed the contract. We told you how many hours this is going to be. If you take three months to come to uh, pay a bill, mm-hmm. we're going to try to find a way to weasel out of that. Like you, you just can't. Right. You can't take three months to pay somebody. It's frustrating. So anyway, just a little insight into how how y'all price price things out. Not just price things out, but suss people out and sure, you know. Um, I don't really have that luxury in my line of business. No, I get, <laughs> I get who I get. Don't you wish you did though? I only work with you know well behaved, yep. well mannered, <laughs> yeah, respectful, intelligent, <laughs> hardworking. 
yeah, young you know, men that want to be here. At the end of the day, that's what it's... Come from a great family who no. will raise money for all of our fundraising <laughs> events without being asked. Yeah. At the end of the day, I just want to work with people who are... are that want to work with me, that are happy to work with me, they're they're interested, they, they value what I'm bringing to the table. That's mm-hmm. all we ever want sure. is for people to just value us for what we're bringing to the table. Yeah. Isn't that just true of everything? That's, yeah, I, I agree. It's true of agree. marriage. It's true of, you know, children and husbands and wives and sisters and brothers and everything. You know, you just want for people to value you. And in a, when you're in the position to not deal with someone who doesn't value you, I'm just, you know, it's, it's easy. a good place to be, yeah. It is a good place to be, but it's also a lot easier than it used to be to be like, goodbye. Because, again... It was it was kind of for a second difficult to go, well, I could tell him that my price is this and that'd be really good. Like if I made that, if I could put that price on it and make that mm-hmm. on that job, heck, and, I'd do that job. And I would deal with the, the sexual assault. No. Okay. That was that was where I drew the line. I was like, potential and then I, comments that the guy's gonna mm, make to me. Yeah. I mean, would you have wanted me to take that job if no, I told you that? Absolutely not. Or like I would have to go with you and just like stare at his house the whole time if he's peeking out any windows. <laughs> Who knows? He probably has cameras. He's like recording things. I would just stare straight into the camera the whole time. Flash to, and check flash his, to camera four and it's Thomas's eyeballs. Yeah, like he'd come <laughs> home and check his cameras to see if he had any pictures of you walking around. Like this dude is staring at me. <laughs> yeah, I am. Let's be honest here. I mean like, oh God, anyway. The, the <laughs> thought of someone else just like even saying that to me is just like, it's just... It's just so gross. Because I've told you before, I know we're going long on this podcast, but I've told you before how the thought of anyone else generally, like, I don't I don't want to think about kissing anyone else. I don't want to think about, like, b- like, my face being close to anyone else. I'm telling you, if you die, I'm not getting remarried. It gross... Other people gross me yes, out. I know. I, I know that about you. And so... The thought of someone else thinking that way of me maybe makes me more ill than the thought of me putting my face on someone else's face. I'm so weird. There, I hear, you know, people have like affairs all the time and like do all these crazy yeah. things. And I'm just like, how? How do you do? Like, how do you achieve that? It's so gross. Yeah. Also, there's a possibility that if you and I had not like started dating at a very young age, right before you developed this, yes, disgusting, yes, feeling about humans, yeah, yeah, I would have just been like, I'm good. Yeah, but how about what about our kids? Oh, you're pretty grossed out by our kids too. No, I'm stop. I'm not grossed out by our kids. Well, no, I'm not. I'm trying to think no. of. No, I'm not grossed out by them. I'm always like hugging and kissing on them. No, I mean like intimately being involved with anyone else. I got you. That's yeah. That's a whole different. That make. Level. I mean, like, mm-mm. nope. I don't want to see another person with no clothes on. I don't want like not. You don't interested. want people to see you with no clothes on. That's correct. It's I'm telling you, it goes both it's ways. Another layer. It yeah. goes both ways. Like, it's just. Please, I need someone that feels this way with me. Please message me, text me, call me, something, and be like, that grosses me out too. <laughs> I cannot be the Just only... Just you talking about it was grossing me out. Yeah, I cannot be the only person who thinks that... Like, I'll just sit there and talk to people, and I'm like looking at their facial hair, and I'm like... Yes, who? I do, yeah. Mm-hmm, yeah. And then you're like, 
You're so gross. You're, <laughs> but like, like I'm good with talking to you and we're friends and it's fine. Right. But like, oh God, everybody that talks to me now is going to be like, she's thinking I'm disgusting. Yeah. It's not don't that. Don't be too close to her. It's not that. It'll be like, especially people will be like, oh my gosh, he's so hot. And I'll look at that person and be like, yes, like objectively he is attractive. But mm-hmm. like, these people want to like get with him. And I'm like, uh. <laughs> <laughs> what is wrong with me? I'll just look from over here. I mean, like, it's like, yeah, okay, he's attractive, but like, I mean, it's not even like, oh, how's his personality? It's like, just like you're, we're talking about this bell curve of like knowing too much about people. Yeah. The mm-hmm. only thing you know about him is that God, looking. God yeah. made him very symmetrical. That's all right. you know about him. Yeah. But like, he won the lottery of good looks. Look at it. Like, good does he him. dip? Like, what do his gums look like? Yeah. Like, look at his teeth. And like, if uh, it's just too many things, I don't want to learn someone else. Yeah. It's too many things. Yeah. I've already had to learn you, and it's taken me long enough, and I still don't know everything. And I'm disgusting as I am. Yes. I can't do it again. I just can't do it again. I know you could. I know in a hot second you'd remarry. What do you think? Especially that? since I've given you basically a digital resume on Instagram. <laughs> like today when you posted the picture of like, look, he measured everything off by a half inch. Good job, him. I fixed it. I found his... One flaw? Mis- I have to post market- flaws about you sometimes. I have... Okay, first of all, everyone thinks you're amazing and everyone thinks I'm horrible. So every once in a while, I have to post something that... Like, see, is- he does not know how to use that measuring tape properly. It was off by a quarter inch. Okay, first of all, in my defense, I was measuring it off the sink, not the window. The sink and the window are not measured. Okay. Evenly. In other words... I may have installed the sink. Okay. <laughs> now, now we're getting to the truth of it. You installed the sink wrong. It was off by well, some measurement that I didn't notice. Again, in my defense, those are all reused pieces of marble <laughs> that we cut. Anyway. Uh, anyway. Anyway, it doesn't matter, but... I was more speaking to my eagle eye than I was your... It just so happened that in order to show people that I had an eagle eye, I had to... Show people that I was very flawed in my measurements. Yes, and that was not the intention behind. That's what I felt about. That's how I felt. So when I made the decision to post it to Instagram, I was not considering how that might make you feel, and I'm sorry for that. Would you like me to delete it? No. It's it's done. What's done is done. People <laughs> have already seen it. I can't go back. The internet's seen it now. <laughs> yeah, the whole internet has seen your flaw. No, they won't forget it either. So, do you see what I mean? Imagine learning this about someone else. Gross. But yeah. I just want you to yeah. know, when I die, I want you to start really concentrating on like the corners of the next person's mouth and how they like. Okay, we've already said this before. I am dying so much earlier <laughs> than you. <laughs> You're going to live to the ripe old age of 150. I will live half that probably. Okay. If I get to live to 150, I might remarry again because then I would be just like companion. It would be like having a dog. A man that's just like a dog, like as far as companion. Because when you're that age, you don't want to, you know. You You don't want to do the things. You just want to like shake hands, right? I don't know. (laughs) I don't know about that. We're not, we can't make a decision because we're not old enough to have experienced what that might be like. It's true. So we don't know. Don't know. You got to make the decisions as they come. That's right. You're right. That's totally true. Because I mean, 150, that's... Long time. I mean, at 80 or midlife crisis. So like... 
or yeah. 75. 75. So yeah. like, that's a lot of life left to live. All right. Anyway, you guys go off and ponder these things for the rest Your of the week. Your midlife crisis might be, I thought I was going to die. And then I didn't. And I lived a whole nother lifetime. Can you, golly Moses. <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> yes, please. I know some people are like, I'm good at 80. Your brother said he wants to die at 68. Yeah. Or something, which is ridiculous. That is, it's pretty early. <laughs> <laughs> We should have him a 69th birthday party this week. <laughs> Sucker, you made it. <laughs> he won't know what birthday it is, though, because he can't remember how old he is. Oh, God. It's a whole other story. Have we told that story on here? I think we did when we talked about my birthday party. Yeah. Go back and listen to that one. His brother bought him a cameo with Manti Teo, which is one of Thomas's favorite uh, football players. Thomas was, we did all of these things for your 40th birthday party, and he bought that for you and told Manti Teo it was your 39th birthday. Yeah. So Manti Teo sent you a 39th birthday message yes, for your 40th birthday. Mm-hmm. Mind you, your brother is exactly one year younger than, than you. So he told Manti his own birthday. All right. Anyway, but, you know, that's all we got for this week. Y'all have a good week. Until next time, bye, y'all. Bye, y'all.